0: what is up guys welcome back this is the sports gamble ramble i have missed you guys quite a bit this off season i know i have disappeared a bit uh this is sgr 66 uh if you have lost count I have totally understood I haven't given you guys an episode since March I made a lot of promises this spring and I did not hold up my end of the bargain so I do apologize but I am back here I've been grinding my ass off this summer and I'm ready for the 2022 NFL season there's a couple things I want to jump into before we get into our Buffalo Bills breakdown but I will make this super quick for you guys again I mentioned it haven't been recording much or you can find me in between those recording droughts is at SGR pod on Instagram and Twitter. I have made some uh, announcements this off season, one of which I host or uh, excuse me, I switched hosting platforms was formerly on anchor.fm. I am now on Podbean.com. They also have a mobile app. Um, it is uh, pr- a pretty cool hosting platform. I do want to give them a shout out real quick. It is uh, much more user friendly as far as uh, recording and editing um, compared to some of the other hosting platforms I've used. Um, Um, They also give you a much more uh, in-depth look at your audience analytics and your listener numbers. Um, they also provide you your own uh, homepage for all your backlogged episodes, which is pretty cool. Mine is sgrpod.podbean.com, so please check that out as well. And the last thing about Podbean, they do give you a really simple, easy-to-use way to monetize your podcast with their ads marketplace. So uh, shout-out, Podbean. You guys are great. I don't want to waste too much time on that. I want to get into talking football because that's what we do here at the SGR Pod. Today, of course, you guys already know we are breaking down the Buffalo Bills in our first of 32 team previews uh, coming at you in the next, hopefully, 32 days. I'm going to try and stay pretty disciplined here and get you guys an episode on the regular. So the Buffalo Bills, one of the more popular picks for the Super Bowl this year. Um, not a surprise. You know, their roster's loaded. Um, they were real close to making a Super Bowl run last year, came up a little bit short in the playoffs, but they are going into this season the odds-on favorite at plus 650 for the Super Bowl. We'll dive into all that stuff later and what that really means, but I do want to do, you know, obviously a recap on what went down with the Bills last year. So, 2021, good season for the Bills. They won their division. They were the number three seed in the AFC, finishing with a regular season record of 11 and 6. Honestly, a little disappointing. I think a lot of people had them win in 12 or 13 games. They, they muffed one or two in the regular season, including a disappointing, I think, 9-6 to six loss to the fucking uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't remember if that was the exact score, but they did lose to the Jags. A uh, bit of a fumble there, but still, very strong team. Um, they ended up losing to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round last year, 42-39. Uh, to 39. We all remember that game um, what an absolute barn burner there in overtime. And excuse me, it was 42-36, I believe. Anyways, real great game. You know, it's too bad Buffalo had to lose at the, uh, you know, basically a coin toss. That's, that was a big conversation this offseason. I don't want to spend too much time in the past, uh, but it is something worth noting. You know, it's been talked about a lot as far as really that game was just won by the team that got the ball last. Neither defense could stop either offense. Really fun game to watch, Josh Allen versus Pat Mahomes. Hopefully we get to see those guys duel it out for the next 10 to 15 years, really. Um, But that's where the Buffalo season ended. They lost to Casey in the divisional round. They did get a huge win against new england uh 47 to 17 and an absolute ass whooping in the wild card round so you love to see that for buffalo you know been uh little brothered in that division for such a long time and then they really get a chance to smack old bill belichick in the mouth you love to see it um bill's uh bill's mafia got that home playoff win that they deserved this year um Last year, they went 9-6-2 against the spread, uh, which was a 60% cover rate, and it was uh, the sixth best in the National Football League. So this team was not only winning games, they were also covering uh, relatively consistently. Their offense was third in points per game at 28.4, no surprise. Their offense was also fifth in yards per game at 381.9. So a top five offense and an MVP candidate at Josh Allen, no surprises there. The defense got back to being dominant last year. Now, if we remember, this team was really built on their defense throughout Josh Allen's first uh, three years with the franchise. Um, Shout out to head coach Sean McDermott for always having a strong unit. Um, But uh, they took a step back there uh, during the 2020 season and really were rather mediocre. Um, They went back to being pretty fucking dominant this year. Finished first overall in points per game, holding their opponents to 17 points per game in the regular season. That's insane. That is insane. Um, Also, first in yards per game allowed, giving only uh, 272.8 yards per game. So they gave up 110 yards less than they gained throughout the regular season. I mean the thing with the bills that I noticed last year was that when they would win, they would blow teams out. And then the games where they struggle, obviously they struggle and you know, they don't cut, but they were, they were blowing a lot of teams out here. Um, you know, the jets, a lot of those teams just getting dusted. Um, this team also finished uh, seventh in turnover margin at plus eight, which is to be expected when you have a good quarterback and efficient offense and a strong defense like that. So overall, very well balanced team. You know, this is no surprise I want to get into some of the things that have changed this offseason, because that's really what we're here for. We all know what happened last year. We want to talk about what we need to know for 2022. So they had some changes on the coaching staff, uh, mainly offensive coordinator Brian Dable uh, left Buffalo to go take the head coaching job for the New York Giants. So he will be now stuck with with uh, you know Daniel Jones and whatever project they want to continue to pursue over there. In New York, Um, Dable obviously credited, (coughs) excuse me, with a lot of the development for Josh Allen over the last few years. So that's kind of the thinking with them, you know, shipping him off to the Giants. Uh, Good for him getting that opportunity. New offensive coordinator is Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey um, was an NFL quarterback from 2003 to 2008 with the 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. Um, He was the Carolina Panthers quarterback coach from 2013 to 2017. He has been in Buffalo since 2019 as the quarterback coach um, from 2019 and 2020, and then last year's passing game coordinator. He now takes over full-time offensive coordinator duties. Good for you, Ken Dorsey. So, um... We'll see what that looks like, to be honest. I mean, you know, losing an OC is never good. And sometimes that first year can be a little bit of a transition. Dable, clearly one of the better OCs. um, And, you know, I mentioned Sean McDermott is really more of a defensive-minded head coach. So it will be interesting to see what this Bills offense looks like if they take any steps backwards. But, I mean, with the personnel and the talent they have available available this year, um, they should still be pretty fucking good. You know, spoiler alert, this team's going to be good. So let's get into the personnel. You know, we've got a lot to cover. I try and keep this shit moving for you guys. Key losses this uh, offseason, mainly in free agency. So let's get into it. Big names. Mitchie Trubisky went over to Pittsburgh to grab that starting job or at least be a bridge gap gap quarterback for uh, Kenny Pickett over there. Um, they lost defensive tackle Harrison Phillips who's a very good player uh, rotational D lineman uh, pass rush and defensive tackle they're headed over to the Minnesota Vikings and then uh, we get into some of the more pedestrian names down here cornerback Levi Wallace went to the Steelers defensive end Mario Addison went to Houston offensive lineman and uh, I believe last year starting right guard if I remember correctly John Feliciano uh, followed Brian Dable over to the Giants Matt Breida also went over to the. The Giants running back handful of uh, touches last year, not a main part of the offense, a couple of spark plays that got on sports center defensive tackle. Vernon Butler is out the door and on the uh, defensive line, veteran longtime pass rusher, Jerry Hughes has left to Houston. Can't remember if I mentioned, but Mario Addison also to Houston. So kind of stinks for Jerry Hughes. I mean, longtime bill and this team is on the precipice of really making a push and It's kind of unfortunate, but maybe they finally get over the hump the first year without him. I always hate to see that for guys, you know. Um, Quick example to make it about me. Uh, Eagles long snapper John Doran Boss was on the team for like a decade. First year he leaves, we win the Super Bowl. We gave him a ring still. So, you know, if the Bills win the Super Bowl, I'd hope Jerry gets a ring. Let's, you know, that would be cool. Um, so not too many huge losses. I mean, a lot of rotational guys here. I mean, Jerry Hughes, I said, you know, big piece for years for this team, but you know, at the back end of his career right now, not so much, uh, an impact pass rusher, a lot of, uh, you know, role players here. I mean, Harrison Phillips looks to be, um, stepping into a starting role with the Vikings Feliciano is a quality offensive lineman, but they look to be in good shape, not taking too many blows to the starting, uh, lineup. Now let's get into what they did to to beef up this offseason. And I really think they had a couple of great acquisitions here. The main one, obviously, Von Miller. And, you know, I could go on for days about what I think Von Miller is going to do for this defense that was already ranked number one in the NFL last season in yards and points per game. I think the biggest thing is leadership. It's accountability. And not that this Bills team doesn't already have a fantastic culture and leadership dynamic, but Von Miller is a two-time Super Bowl champion that I think with a lot of the young guys specifically on this D-line and in that defensive end room, I think his leadership is going to go a long way. This Bills team over the last, let's call it two or three off seasons has really accumulated a lot of young talent at the defensive end pass rusher position. I'll rattle off a few names here. I mean, a couple of first and second round picks with Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa. Boogie Basham, a.k.a. Carlos Basham, I believe. But Boogie's just an awesome name. And then, you know, they've got some interior guys. Ed Oliver is a guy that they took in the first round a few years ago that really could be ready to explode. I mean, I think the expectations in Buffalo, they would love to see him take a step forward. And I think he's got the raw talent to be a real real dominant inside force on that defensive line. And if he gives them that kind of uh, you know anchor style, I'm going to eat up two blockers in the trenches type guy, I mean, there's a lot of room for these young guys, the Russos, the Epinesas, the Bashams, the Shaq Lawsons, and then the vet with Von Miller coming off. I mean, they got a lot of fire here on this uh, defensive line. Tim Settle was another guy, and Jordan Phillips, they both brought into that D-line. So I'm getting a little too far ahead of myself, but I mean, we might as well just talk about all these guys at the same time. This offseason, they added Von Miller, Daquan Jones, and Tim Settle, and Jordan Jordan Phillips all on a defensive line. So... That's a lot. And then when you add in Russo, Epinesa, and Basham, that's a lot of young talent with a lot of potential. So there's a four minute rant on the defensive ends for this team. But I really think that this uh, Bills team, if there was two things I would have chosen to upgrade for their defense this offseason, it would have been the second corner position. And it would have been the pass rush. And I think they addressed both of them. So... All right, let's keep it moving. Who else did they bring in to this team besides defensive linemen? Well, a very good acquisition here from the Tennessee Titans, Uh, right guard Roger Saffold. This guy's a real road grader. This guy is a mean son of a bitch. He is going to push people around, and I think that's big for this Bills team that's really been – um not one-dimensional but not as balanced as they would like to be over the last few years offensively i mean this is the josh allen show we talked about it last year and it you know they keep drafting these middling like second and third round running backs and you know maybe they can piece a backfield together singletary's not bad moss doesn't seem like he's a guy they drafted you know um the cook dude that we'll talk about later james cook um But what I'm saying is Roger Saffold being such a dominant um, run-blocking offensive lineman I think is going to help bring a more physical uh, element to this Bills offense um so that's the you know when I saw that they picked him up I really that um that threw off some signals in my mind like oh that's a that's a big time upgrade I mean they lost Feliciano but they got saffled in here so I don't see it as a that's a that's a win for Buffalo that's a major upgrade in my opinion um they also added OJ Howard excuse me I almost called him uh Jordan Howard and then I almost called him OJ Simpson and that would have been really bad um but OJ Howard is a former first round pick tight end from Alabama that played out his first few years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has definitely underwhelmed in terms of production is one of the greatest fantasy busts at tight end of all time going back a few years ago when he was being drafted in the fifth, sixth round, but he's not being asked to be a starter for this team. Really. I see this as just a guy that is going to be able to give them more options in terms of port personnel on this team. And specifically in the red zone, I see this guy having an impact. O.J. Howard is a big son of a bitch. And you know, I think he could you could see him taking on that kind of Jimmy Graham role that um, Jimmy has had later in his career with the Seahawks and with the Bears, as far as not really doing a whole lot between the 20s. But you get in that red zone and you need to throw a fade or a play action, you know, dart to the back of the end zone. Who better I mean, you got a guy here that's like six foot six and can jump over everybody. And you get a a really effective, I think, tight end tandem when you pair him with Dawson Knox. Neither one has to be a superstar, but really quality tandem there. Both can block, both can run, both can catch. I just think it's another um, just perfect fit that this uh, Bills team uh, brought on. Another guy that just makes all the sense in the world and really has me excited for this team is Jamison Crowder, the slot receiver, formerly with the Washington Redskins and the New York Jets. They were the Redskins at the time, so don't come at me. Jamison Crowder, I think, brings an interesting, um, well, he fills a role for this offense, you know, and I think he's an upgrade as far as the guy that they had it filling the last few years. Cole Beasley's a good player, and I know he was a fan favorite in Buffalo. Jamison Crowder's a much more talented athlete. I think he's a better wide receiver overall. He's He has a, a much more ability, I think, to do more after the catch than a guy like Cole Beasley. Cole, you know, he exceeded expectations as far as the NFL career, but I don't really see him doing much going forward. I think he's in the twilight. I think this was an upgrade, and I think Jameson is a guy we'll talk more in the fantasy segment of this uh, episode. But he's interesting, and I think this Bills receiving core, you know, although they lost Emmanuel Sanders, they probably got better this offseason, to be honest. And uh, Crowder's a big reason why, in my opinion. Kind of a slept-on dude since he's been buried on the Jets roster the last few years. And then to, um, to wrap this up, you know, a couple of guys they also added. Running back Duke Johnson, he'll be buried on the depth chart, but he's a guy we know, he's a guy we will bring up. And offensive guard David Quisenberry. Not sure he'll be a starter, but a, uh, a depth piece at least. They re-signed a few guys, no big names, but let's uh, get this out of the way. Taiwan Jones, running back, and special teams player is back on the roster. Offensive guard Bobby Hart and offensive guard Icky Boatger. I think that's Boatger. It also could be Ike. I think I fucked that. I think this is a German guy named Ike, and I assumed it was, like, an African name. So, no, it's Ike Boatger. It's not Icky. I'm just being dumb. All right. Those guys don't matter. Let's move on. Let's talk about the draft. OK, the Bills, I thought, had a pretty good draft, um, not a high volume of picks. I really only wrote down four names here that I think are worth um, you know mentioning. Uh, the first two really are the guys we'll spend the most focus on. Round one, I thought they fucking nailed this draft pick. I actually had called this um, live during the draft. I, you know, I have a lot of Bills fans. I'm from Western New York, texting quite a few people during the first round of the draft. And I said, best case, you know, it, we're, we're sitting there at like 17, 18 in the draft. Bills don't pick until I think 25 or so. I say best case scenario the kid from Florida, Kair Elam, falls to him. The Bills, in my opinion, the number one thing they needed to do this offseason was find a legitimate number two corner outside or to play opposite of Tredavious White. Tredavious White injured last year. People forget top five corner in this league without question. Uh, now you got a guy like Kair Elam, who's a real talent out of Florida in the first round pick, played well in the SEC um, to compliment him. And then you've got Taron Johnson. Uh, as one of the really more underrated slot corners in this league to complete that secondary, obviously going a- along with the safety brothers of Poyer and Hyde. Kair Elam's a guy that I'm really excited for is what I'm saying. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, go and look up the clip. There's a clip online that kind of went viral um, after the draft where he, uh, during his interview with the Bills, brought his um, notebook from college and like showed them all his notes on all his matchups, all his like weekly prep work, like this is, this guy likes to run this route, that kind of thing. Like this is a real film study junkie. This guy is willing to put in the work. He's a smart guy with a high football IQ and a great work ethic. Um, this is literally the guy who, who, who when the coach calls him to be drafted, he says, coach, put the playbook on the plane. I'm, I'm studying tonight. I'm studying tonight. Like, I'm going to know that playbook before training camp. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to make an impact for this team right away. And I think he's just, ugh, man. I thought it was a home run. I could talk about this guy for another five minutes if we want. But I think Elam is exactly what this team needed to do in that first round to solidify that secondary. And from a personality standpoint, I think he is going to be a consummate professional in this league from day one and really fit and gel well with this Bills locker room and this culture that's already really well established. Round two, this is a very exciting player here, and we'll talk about him more in the fantasy breakdown after this little recap. But James Cook, Delvin Cook's little brother, Florida State running back, uh, more of a pass catching specialist, not so sure he'll be used inside the tackles as much as his older brother, but a very electric playmaker here who's a very natural route runner and pass catcher and can really make guys miss downfield after the catch. I think it adds an incredible, um, kind of uh, very needed role in this Bills offense. Um, You know, we mentioned a little bit how pedestrian the running back production has been. Singletary and Moss. Singletary is a decent player. I don't mean to bash him, but he's just kind of mediocre, for lack of a better term. And he doesn't bring the skill set in the passing game that James Cook does. James Cook has the potential to... I don't want to be too bullish, but he has the potential to take on like an Alvin Kamara type role as far as how Kamara was used in his rookie years, mostly in the in the passing work before he took over that workhorse role. James Cook as a guy is a guy that I think Brad, brings an an added element to this Bill's offense. Um, the pass catching running back is a thing they look to add in free agency. They actually signed running back JD McKissick from the Washington Commanders until the Commanders went and matched the offer and McKissick for some reason decided to stay in Washington instead of joining the Super Bowl favorites I don't know about that one McKissick maybe he just didn't want to sell his house I'm not really sure but um, the Bills you know in my opinion get a better prospect in James Cook to fill that role and probably cheaper than McKissick because he's on a rookie contract so hey good for you Buffalo you guys are really having a hell of an offseason here Uh, Round three in the draft, linebacker Terrell Bernard out of Baylor. Don't have much to say. Hopefully, he's an impact player. They could use some more help at that linebacking position. You know, they have Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. Um, Outside of that, you know, hey, they get another guy. And then uh, to wrap up our draft coverage, you know, I don't usually dive deep into the sixth round, but um, the Bills went and drafted punt god Matt Ariza from san diego state and this guy is the most hyped up punter that i've seen in the draft uh, probably in my entire life i know michael dixon the seahawks fourth round pick a few years ago who is a very good professional punter um he got a lot of hype in the draft, too, but not as much as this kid. This kid, you know, viral clips um, from his senior year of college, you know, for the last year and a half. I've been hearing, all oh, wait until this guy gets the NFL. We'll see. He's got a cannon of a leg. I guess, you know, I'm not a don't – don't call me a punter expert, but – I have heard that i guess his punting style is going to need to be tweaked a little bit to conform to the the prototypical nfl punt a lot of these college punters use slightly varied techniques i mean half the colleges out there use that uh rugby style you know sprint right you know kind of shuffle punt downfield um that's not what this kid does but i have heard you know certain people are going to say yeah he's going to need to you know do a little do a little technique work um so Just want to throw that out there for people thinking that they got the next Shane Leckler. The kid's going to have to learn he's a little raw, but man, does he have a leg. All right, that's enough punter talk. Okay, so next I want to jump into a little bit of talk about their schedule, okay? Because as talented as a team is, if they have a murderer's row in front of them, that can throw a few wrenches into the plot there. So uh, this team um, has the 18th ranked uh, strength of schedule as far as 18th most difficult schedule excuse me 18th easiest schedule hope i'm doing that right yes 18th easiest um we'll jump into it so the 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 preseason they play the colts broncos and panthers who cares they start the opening season with the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. I think as of right now, on July 20th, the Bills are a minus one favorite at, L- at LA. Yeah, you could talk me into it. I Yeah, you could talk me into fading this Rams team. I could see this Buffalo team going in there and beating the defending Super Bowl champs on banner night. Fuck it. Let's call it right now. 1-0. We're not going to run through the whole schedule all the way, you know, in depth, but... I'll give you guys my analysis on it. So we got the Rams. uh, Then they got the Titans at home. They head down to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Week four, Ravens. Uh, Week five, home versus Steelers. Uh, Week six, at the Chiefs. Then bye week. Then week seven, excuse me, week eight. Uh, They take on the Packers. Um, Then they got the Jets, the Vikings, the Browns, the Lions. Kind of an easy stretch of their schedule. They don't face the Patriots until week 13. Then they got the Jets, the Dolphins, the Bears, and then two tough matchups to finish with the Bengals and the Patriots again to end the season. So I know I just ran through that. My key matchups really for this year is week one at the Rams, week four at the Ravens, week six at the Chiefs, week seven by, and then they come back and play the Packers at home week eight. So that's Chiefs by Packers. That's a pretty crucial uh, portion of their season between week six and week eight. And then they got, like I said, they don't face New England until week 13. They face them uh, twice over five weeks there at the end of the season. So they got New England week 13 and then week 17 uh, AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. And then they finish with the uh, divisional opponent with New England again. Um, Like I said, week seven by not great. You hope to get it a little later, but that's life, I suppose. So yeah, I mean... The schedule—they definitely have a lot of winnable games. They'll definitely be favored in a lot of these. The Browns probably not as difficult if Deshaun Watson is suspended. That's a thing, guys. By the way, I'm not going to be able to avoid saying I don't fucking know this whole offseason. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. I'm, you know, I would like to honestly delay my Browns preview until we have an answer on that, but I just don't know how long that's going to take. So. We'll see about that. But, again, I mean, really, they do have some tough opponents here. I think Baltimore will be better if Lamar stays healthy. Obviously, Kansas City, Green Bay, L.A., three of the top five teams in the league. And then the Bengals should be good again. <clears throat> uh, New England, um, you know, they're constantly uh, disrespected, I guess, since Brady left. I mean, they were a pretty solid team last year. They made the playoffs. Their winning total is only eight and a half this year, but it's that seems low for me again. Um, but overall, a lot of winnable games. I mean, Lions, Jets twice, Dolphins twice, Bears, you know, not terrible. So where does that leave us as far as the gambling lines for this team? Their win total is at 11 and a half. The over is minus 135. The under is plus 115. I like that over. I mean, this team won 11 last year. Their schedule's not terrible um again they won 11 while while losing to the Jags I mean I think they just avoid like a terrible loss like that and they'll be okay I don't see the Jets being much better the Dolphins could be more challenging this year I do like a lot of the offseason moves that Miami took but I mean I don't want to be too bullish on it. I haven't bet anything yet. I would lean towards the over 11 and a half. This team is definitely capable of getting 12 wins. Uh, their odds to make the playoffs are minus 490. Really, they're a shoe to make the playoffs shoe in if uh, if Josh Allen stays healthy. You know, I won't ever bet a minus 490 on a team to make the playoffs because, again, all it takes is one bad shot to Josh Allen to take him out. You know, I'm not going to jinx anybody here, but one injury and you're fucked on that minus 490. So that's a no go for me. Um, The division minus 185, you know, do I expect them to win this division? Absolutely. I don't know if I love that for value either, because like I said, you're just too exposed if there's an injury. Uh, If Josh Allen is injured for so and i i don't even like talking about this but if something happens with this team miami and new england are both capable to win this division it's not like there's a dumpster fire sitting behind them so i don't know if i love lay in minus 185 but to be honest i mean yeah they're gonna win this division as long as they stay healthy so it's a it's a solid bet if you if you feel like taking a gamble um but with these you know season uh um futures I don't love laying the huge juice, the minus 180s, the minus 200s, because, like I said, injury is a thing that will always happen, and you cannot predict it. So I'd really rather grab some better value. If you're going to bet uh, any of this shit, I mean, don't bet them to win the division. Just bet them over 11.5 at minus 135. I think that's a safer way to go about it. I mean, yeah, I guess they could win 11 games and win the division, but... I like the 11.5 better from a value standpoint. And then uh, to win the conference plus 350 and to win the Super Bowl plus 650. They are the odds-on favorites in the AFC and overall in the entire NFL for the Super Bowl. That's pretty wild, right? Like, let's take a step back. Pretend you're a Bills fan for a second if you're not. Like, this team is the Super Bowl favorite going into 2022. And I know my entire childhood growing up in Western New York, the Bills were a bit of a punchline. I mean, there was some rough fucking years for this franchise and this fan base. I don't have to dive into it. You guys know, but let's not just act like this is a team that we're used to being here. You know, I mean, this Bills team has really been built very well under Sean McDermott and general manager um, Billy Bean over there. Brandon Bean, Brandon Bean, uh, not Mister uh, Mister Moneyball over there, Billy Bean. Um, they've done such a good job in the front office, the coaching staff. The uh, defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier is still there too, who I haven't brought up here. But the the fact that he's their DC, I think helps a lot as well because then McDermott can kind of know that the defense is is taking control of and he can kind of be more of the overarching manager and ceo kind of of the team um so just the coaching staff the front office every i mean this team is really well put together really well run and they have a great culture which has not been the case for a majority of my lifetime i'm 28 years old this has only been the thing for the last let's call it three years really because even back go back to 2018 2019 those years were somewhat dysfunctional as well. I mean, they made the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor and then just burned it all down kind of the next year and got and won five wins. And then it's like, well, is Josh Allen ever going to turn into what we want Josh Allen to turn into? You know, his first two years in the league, most inaccurate passer in the league. That's not an exaggeration, and I'm not being a hater, but this guy, really, his development and his jump in his third year, has catapulted this team into a perennial contender and a perennial frontrunner for the Super Bowl, and it really shouldn't change anytime soon if they can keep this nucleus together. Um, Their defense is a little bit on the older side, but like I said, they've been investing a lot um, in that uh, defensive line area to get younger and you know the weapons that they have i mean gabe davis is a young guy that's going to be around for a while even once they have to move on with Diggs, Diggs is around for another few years on a contract extension you know i'm rambling here this is what we do at the sports gamble ramble but this team is set up really well so my overarching thoughts are if you want to take a shot at this team at plus 650 for the super bowl go for it I'm not going to have a ticket because my style is to try and grab these teams at like 20, 25 to one and get them to increase value throughout the season. But, yo, it's not a bad bet. I mean, I think this team really has a chance to get over the hump this year. And I'm kind of hoping they do, honestly. Um, My pick for the Super Bowl for a majority of the season last year was Bill's Packers. And um, I, I probably won't be riding the Packers as hard this year after losing Devontae Adams. I still think they're really good, but... I don't know about picking them for the Super Bowl, but the Bills, if you want to pick the Bills for the Super Bowl, pick the Bills for the Super Bowl. I know a lot of people are doing it. They're kind of that sexy, oh, I'm i am being cute even though I'm agreeing with the general consensus, but it's like this team has a lot of, uh, I think, n- not only regional support but national support at this point. Like People want to root for the Bills at this point, um, and I guess I fall into that category. They had a great offseason. They had a great offseason, like I said. Um, Roger Saffold, Von Miller, OJ Howard... You know, I think these are guys that are really going to help. I love the draft, the first two draft picks with Kair Elam and James Cook. I really think they both make a difference from the get-go. So I like this team. I like this team to win at least 12 games. I like them to win their division. I like them to uh eh, it's tough. I'll have to take a look at some of the other schedules um, to see if this team could potentially be the number one seed in the AFC But if things break for them, I think they can. I do think they can. I mean, all of their difficult games as far as, like I said, the Ravens, the Packers, the Chiefs. I mean, the Bills can win all those games. They can. I'm just throwing them out there because they're going to be the more difficult ones on their schedule. But this is a top three roster in the NFL, if not the best, to be honest. They're loaded up. And I don't want to, you know, I like to play devil's advocate. I like to sit here, well, what could go wrong for this team? And again, I come back at the only issue is injury. That's all that's all it is, because if this team stays healthy, they're ready to go. And then they were ready to go last year, too. I mean, like I opened this this episode up talking about how that Chiefs team that that Chiefs game just didn't break their way essentially off of a coin flip. Yes, you got to make a stop. You got to make a stop. But I think that their defense that was already ranked number one in points per game last year, that was clearly not at 100% full health going into that Chiefs game, only got better this offseason with the addition of Von Miller and the addition of Kair Elam. So I'm really excited for this team, and I really think they're getting ready to do some fucking damage. Now, should we talk about fantasy football for a second? Should we dive into these offensive players a little bit more and see, you know, just how valuable are they going to be from a fantasy football perspective this year? Because it's one thing to say they're going to score a lot of points. It's another to dive into who exactly is going to do it for them. So as I get my notes gathered here, guys, we're going to start diving into some of the average draft positions for these players. And we're going to dive into a little bit of their past performance ratings and consistency rankings as well over the last season to see how did they perform against draft expectation last year? What is their draft expectation this year? And can we expect them to you know repeat their previous performance? Will they improve? Will they take a step back? Will they fail to meet on their draft value and draft cost? So, let's get into it. Um, I've got my uh, notes here. I've got my Excel file, my Google Sheet ready to go. So, from a fantasy football perspective, the names that I am going to be breaking down for you here are Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, James Cook, Zach Moss, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Jameson Crowder, Dawson Knox, And we'll do a little bit on O.J. Howard, although, like I said, he really should just be a touchdown vulture this year. That's what I'm thinking. I will say honorable mentions for this offense. Their backup quarterback is Case Keenum. I'll be telling you guys the backup QBs for all this team just because if something happens to the starter, we're going to be relying on this guy to um, sustain fantasy value for these other skill position players other honorable mentions for this offense wide receiver excuse me wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie is a guy that I want to bring to your attention before we get into the main starters um, I mentioned that Cole Beasley's gone, and while I expect a majority of that target share to go to J- Jamison Crowder, Isaiah McKenzie is a guy that has really thrived for Buffalo in his limited time in the starting role over the last couple of seasons when Cole Beasley's been out. He's been the replacement guy. He's their uh, kick returner, and he's pretty electric in the open space. He's very good at catching quick screens and making moves after the uh, after the catch. And I think he's a guy that if he's given extended playing time or you know just an expanded role in this offense... You know, if he can compete with Crowder in that slot role or even beat him out or if he can just get some snaps, um, I think he's a guy that'll be interesting and be, yeah, you know, a, a guy that can bring just another dimension and another weapon to this offense. They also acquired Tavon Austin this offseason. I just had to give him a shout out. Uh, probably the best football player I've ever seen in person. I went to West Virginia University. Uh, my freshman year, Geno Smith, Tavon Austin, and Stedman Bailey basically ran the Big 12 and set like almost every school record for offensive performance at West Virginia. Uh, Tavon, if you don't know Tavon because he hasn't done shit in the NFL, he was number one. Eight, he was number eight overall pick to the St. Louis Rams in 2013. And, uh, he's, um, go look up his college football highlights cause he's nasty. I don't expect him to do much except for maybe punt return, kick return for this team, but he's an interesting guy and a weapon and, you know, just get him the ball and watch him dance. Uh, he's awesome. Love you, Tavon. Lastly, wide receiver Jake Kumoro is a guy on this depth chart. He's a big physical receiver. He's been on the team, uh, you know, at least a year or two. He's got a decent uh, camaraderie with Josh Allen. Don't expect him to be fantasy relevant at all, but he's a guy that if there are injuries or if some weird shit happens with this team, um, he, could, he could see some playing time. He could bolster some touchdowns. You know, he's just a guy to throw out there. So let's get into the actual names that are going to matter for fantasy. We're going to the quarterback position. You guys know him, you know. Number 17 in your playbooks, number one in your hearts, number one in fantasy football as well, uh, he is Josh Allen. So this year, his overall average draft position, and guys, um, I did my best to keep these consistent. They are PPR league rankings. Um, For the most part, I'm going to be referring to these rankings um, in the context of a 12-man fantasy league. So... You know, I'll explain a little bit more as we get into it. But a lot of the metrics that I'll be using are: did this guy break the top twelve, top twenty-four, that kind of thing, because that that makes him, you know, an RB two an RB one. Hope that gives you some context. Josh Allen, quarterback, overall draft position this year is eighteenth, and his overall draft position in twenty twenty one was twenty sixth. So he's moved up eight spots. He is the number one quarterback being drafted this year. He was the number two quarterback being drafted last year uh, behind uh, Patty Mahomes. Um, Last year, he finished as the number one fantasy quarterback. Not a surprise. He scored the most points in fantasy football last year. Um, That's why he's being drafted as the first QB this year. He played 17 games last year. He finished first overall in fantasy points per game. And this year for the 2022 season, he has the 16th easiest fantasy schedule against quarterbacks. So what I'm doing with this strength of schedule here, the teams that Josh Allen will face have combined to give up an average of the 16th most points to fantasy quarterback uh, based on data from last year so these won't be 100 accurate there's a lot of turnover with defenses year to year but this is what we have access to uh, in july so josh allen let's take a look at his consistency rankings last year he finished a top six quarterback 52.9 percent of the time that is the third best in the nfl from last season Um, he finished inside the top 12 64.7 percent of the time so that gives you a roughly 12 percent mark of times that he finished between the quarterback 7 and the quarterback 12. Again, top 12. That means he's a starting guy for your fantasy team. That means it's, he's helping your fantasy team. A lot of these guys, you know, if your quarterback isn't in the top 12 of scorers that week, he didn't help you. He probably he lost you your matchup, realistically. So this is what we're trying to figure out with these metrics. He finished top 6 in over half of his games, 52% of the time. He finished top 12 six, almost 65% of his time. He finished between QB 13 and QB 24 on the week in 35.3% of his starts, and he busted, which means outside of the top 25 quarterbacks on the week, zero times. Zero percent of his games were bust, which is good. I mean, technically, yeah, if you finish QB 20 on the week and he's the number one quarterback drafted, that's busting on your ADP. Um, but he was at least a top 24 quarterback in every game last season, and he was a top 12 guy 64% of the time. You can't get much safer than that. Super consistent. His rushing ability gives him incredible upside week to week, and he's also got a rocket arm. He's also got a shit ton of weapons on this offense. I mentioned that James Cook, the running back, is going to give him an added um, element to the passing game where he should be able to get some pretty cheap receiving yards by checking it down to his running backs more this year than in previous years i think james, uh, james cook i would expect to immediately step into that third down back role and be an immediate upgrade in the passing game over devin singletary on top of that you know i mentioned this team lost emmanuel sanders but i really like the f- the the four pack of stefan diggs gabriel davis Jamison crowder and isaiah mckenzie i think if isaiah mckenzie is your fourth receiver on your team you have a really good receiving core. Because I think he's a guy that not many people know his name, but every time I see him with the ball in his hands, I'm impressed. So I think if McKenzie's your fourth guy, you have a very strong nucleus at the wide receiver position. You throw in the tight end duo of of Knox and Howard. I mentioned Howard, maybe not the most consistent guy, but you're giving Josh Allen even more red zone weapons than he has had previously. Throw on top of that the fact that he's the goal line back for this team. Devin Singletary and these other guys are lucky to get some, you know, carries inside the five-yard line. More often than not, we're sending 10 guys to block, and we're using our six foot five, two 250-pound quarterback to just run it up the gut, you know? And why wouldn't you? It's very similar to what they used to do with Cam Newton. Makes sense, you know, as far as quarterbacks. He's probably the closest in stature that we've seen to Cam Newton in recent memory. So, Josh Allen, locked and loaded fantasy stud, yes. Will I be drafting him? Absolutely not. Are you fucking kidding me? These people are spending a second-round pick in some leagues on Josh Allen. Guy is great. Guy is going to probably lead the league in fantasy points at the quarterback position again. I don't care, dude. I'm drafting a running back or a receiver in the second round. It's just too high. Don't draft a QB that early. You know, if you're getting into a super flex or a two quarterback league, okay, go ahead, spend your first rounder on Josh Allen, take him 101 if you want. It probably pays off because he is a weekly advantage. But at the end of the day, if you can get a quarterback eight rounds later, that'll give you top 12 production week in and week out, or even stream the 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 position and piece it together. I just would rather do that and be able to load up on skill guys. You get so thin throughout the fantasy season at the running back position specifically that I just don't like taking QBs. And I'm even out on the early tight end strategy at this point. It seems like every time I take an early tight end, they either get injured or they disappoint me. Like I took Darren Waller in the early third last year, and the guy had a shitty season. And you're just like, you're really hurting from... You know, that could have been a a starting stud fantasy receiver. Like, I could have drafted uh, Cooper Cup there instead of Darren Waller. And think about how much that changes my season. So I'm out on the quarterbacks that early, and I'm out on tight ends that early, too. Give me the running backs. Give me the receivers. So Josh Allen, great player. Drafting way too early. Just overall philosophy. I don't do that. Let's move on to the running backs. Um, Singletary will probably still be the most valuable guy on this team for fantasy this year. I don't know if I'm really loving James Cook at his draft value. Let's talk about it. So this year, um, Singletary is overall the 88th player being drafted. That'll put him in a 12-man league in the 8th round and in the ninth round of a 10-man league. Um, James Cook is being drafted 100 overall, so that'll put him in the ninth round of a 12-man and 35th overall at the running back position. So they're almost being drafted in the same place, and I'd rather have Singletary. I think it's clear that he'll still be the dominant um, in between the tackles runner. I mean, they really haven't done much else to address the running back position um, in terms of a you know an actual. In between the tackles guy. I don't think Zach Moss is impressive. I think it's pretty clear that Singletary is much more talented. And so I do, I I don't see this necessarily being a committee as much as it is kind of a 50, not a 50 50, but there's only two guys here that I'm really worried about. Zach Moss has no fantasy value for me. Maybe pick him up off the waiver wire if Singletary gets injured. He's not being drafted this year, um, really, in any leagues outside of maybe a super deep best ball or dynasty startup. Um, But back to Singletary, uh, like I said, uh, being drafted 32nd at his position this year, last year being drafted as the 40th running back, actually finished as the RB20 in fantasy, which I was surprised to see that. But I think it's just... uh, um, a result of staying healthy. He he played 70 or excuse me, 17 games last season. And there's not a lot of running backs that can stay healthy for an entire season. So I think that's how he ended up at the at the overall running back 20, but it didn't feel like that if you had him on your team. He was in reality the running back 31 in points per game. So I just don't see the upside with these running backs. I mean, could you get, you know, Could you do worse in the eighth round of your fantasy drafts than Devin Singletary? I mean, it's a good depth piece, and if you still need running back help there, I think it might actually be a sneaky, smart pick. He's just not going to be a guy that's going to win you your weeks. He doesn't have the touchdown upside because, like I said, Josh Allen is going to vulture all of his uh, goal line looks, and now James Cook is going to be, I think, biting into snaps and, and picking up that receiving work, so... Eighth round seems about right for Singletary. If you need running back depth in your draft, I'd rather have Singletary than James Cook. But if you're telling me at the end of the season that James Cook is like pretty clearly the the number one guy in this uh, backfield, I won't be surprised at all. I won't. I think, obviously, PPR League, uh, more attractive to take a shot on Cook. But this, this uh, running back room in general, like I, I think they'll be better for real-life football, and I think they bring more balance to the Bills this season, but I don't really love them for fantasy. I just think their upside is very capped without the touchdown um, upside, I guess, the touchdown uh, uh, opportunity, really. So Singletary last year finished in the top 12. of the time it was the 22nd best amongst running backs he finished between the rb12 and rb24 so that's an rb2 11.8% of the time so he was a top 24 running back 41.2% of the time last year which was again the 22nd best in the league and again that's just a thing really where it's more about staying healthy like if you're going to tell me he was the 22nd best fantasy running back that's It's really just not the case. It's just he accumulated the numbers over a full season, whereas other guys' point per game blew him out of the water. He was an RB3, running back 25 through 36, 29.4% of the time, and he busted 35.3% of the time. So that's outside the top 36 running backs on the week. That's not giving you shit for your fantasy team. James Cook, obviously no consistency metrics. Zach Moss, let's just run through this real quick. He was never a top 12 running back last year. He finished between 12 and 24, excuse me, 13 and 24, 23.2% of the time. So he gave you top 24 production in 23% of his games last year. He also uh, gave you 25 through 36 RB3 production in 23% of his games. And then 53.8% of his games, Zach Moss was not even relevant to your fantasy team. I expect that number to go up this season do not draft zach moss i'm not interested okay receivers stefan diggs is a stud you guys know this he disappointed people a little bit last year though let's let's jump into that for a second So he's being drafted this year as the overall player 14 and wide receiver five. Last year, he was also being drafted as the overall player 14, but he was the wide receiver three. There's a couple wide receivers that have uh, propelled themselves in the upper echelon this draft season and have surpassed Mr. Diggs. Um, That being said, last year, he finished the wide receiver seven, which probably to a lot of you, I I would assume that surprises you as well, because again he wasn't as dominant for fantasy last year as he was in 2020 he played a full uh season 17 games um finished 11th overall in fantasy points per game at the wide receiver position uh the bills have a pretty easy schedule for their skilled players here i forgot to mention for running backs they have the eighth easiest running back schedule they have the 13th easiest for wide receivers uh, so a lot of opportunity here. This team should be very pass heavy. I believe, like I said, um, the addition of James Cook just means that they'll probably be throwing on even more third downs. So that's good for this offense, potentially. Um, Diggs, in fo- as far as consistency, last year he finished top 12 at the receiver position in just 23.5% of games. So again, we talk about him finishing as the wide receiver 11 in points per game and overall wide receiver 7. But he only finished top 12, um, the 22nd most out of fantasy receivers. Uh, That said, excuse me, the 20th most out of fantasy receivers. That said, he was a very safe, very high floor player for your team. Stephon Diggs finished a wide receiver 2, that is fantasy wide receiver 13 through 24 on the week. In 41.2% of his games, that's second most in the NFL as a wide receiver two last year. So you drafted him to be a wide receiver one. You only got that in 23.5% of the games. But he did not bust for you often. He finished top 24, 64.7% of the time, which was good for fifth best in the NFL. So you drafted him at wide receiver three, and you got the wide receiver seven. But he was relatively consistent. He only busted in 35.3% of the games, and he was never a wide receiver 25 to 36. So we're talking 64% of the time. He's a top 24 receiver for you. I know it's not the explosive weeks, but he's not killing you either. So that's good to see. Um... Next, Gabriel Davis is a very interesting guy for me. Now, his uh, previous metrics are not going to add up to his expectations for this year. This is a guy that a lot of people are projecting to take a massive step forward this year. And um, there's good reason for it, I think. So Gabe Davis uh, last year. Was being drafted as the as the overall 197 and the wide receiver 70. This year he is at overall 84 and wide receiver 38. A lot of this comes with the subtraction of Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley in this offense. I think Davis is a guy that is expected to get a huge boost in target share this year, and I love his upside for fantasy. Um, We have seen in the past a guy like Stephon Diggs in a high-powered offense. Be able to, you know, coexist with another dominant top twelve fantasy wide receiver when Diggs and Thielen were together. And I think this offense has a chance to be even better. I think Josh Allen is clearly better than Kirk Cousins or Case Keenum or anybody in Minnesota. And I think Gabe Davis coming into his third year and having shown a lot of flashes over the last two seasons is really a guy that could be very exciting and really do for a massive breakout this year. You can get him pretty much in the back end of the seventh round in your 12 mans you know middle of the eighth or ninth round in your 10 mans and i love that for a guy who i think has potential to step into that top 15 fantasy receiver stratosphere i think there's only a couple of teams that really are capable of sustaining two, you know stud wide receiver ones for fantasy i mean you know it's pretty easy to call your shot on a team like the Bengals with jamar chase and t higgins um, I think, you know, other combos that come to mind, the Bucks, if you get Chris Chris Godwin healthy for a full season along with Mike Evans, you know, again, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen have been a great duo. But there's just not that many teams that can really do that. I think the Bills have a chance to be one. I think Gabe Davis has a chance to be uh, the Adam Thielen to the Stefan Diggs here. I think that he not only has the ability to be a complete receiver for this team, but he's clearly a great red zone threat. He's, he's big. He's a, a decent upgrade in size from Stephon Diggs, so it gives them kind of those complementary skill sets where Davis can kind of be a little bit more of the jump ball guy. And I uh, haven't even mentioned his breakout campaign in the divisional round last year. I've, I, I brought up at the beginning of the season that um, that game against the Kansas City Chiefs, Gabe Davis went off for, like, 225 and four touchdowns in that game. And I was kind of worried about that, like, really um, fucking up his ADP and people getting a little too out of control on the hype. But if you're telling me that I only have to spend an eighth-round pick on Gabe Davis, I'll do it. I will absolutely do it. Here's my eighth-round pick. Take it. Give me Gabe Davis. Give me the wide receiver, two for the Buffalo Bills and what could be uh, maybe the best offense in the NFL. Yeah. Give me all the Gabe Davis this year. I'm in on him. I'm very in on the breakout. Um, I don't want to spend too much time here on the rest of the receivers. I mentioned Jamison Crowder is a guy that I think will have an expanded role. He'll be better this year than he was on the Jets the past couple of years. I really liked his skill set uh, coming out of Washington into his free agency contract, contract with the Jets. It just didn't really work out because nothing does with the Jets. Jameson Crowder is being drafted as an overall player one eighty. Um, that is almost into undrafted status. That's like a sixteenth round pick in a twelve man, and it's and it is undrafted. Is in a ten man? Um, you can get him in your best ball drafts maybe around your last or second to last pick. Um, but I think he's a guy for best ball. Yeah, take the shot for sure. I think it's a really good best ball pick at the end of your drafts because you're not going to be able to predict what weeks he goes off, but he will have scoring opportunity in this offense. Um. He was being drafted 221 overall last year, finished wide receiver 71. Being drafted 180 overall, wide receiver 69 this year. Nice. Uh, so, yeah he's virtually free at the end of your drafts i don't like him for a redraft a regular season but in basketball ball take your shot um, he finished wide receiver 68 after playing 12 games last year and he was the 63rd best in points per game so again uh, regular season over the long haul not a guy that's going to win you any weeks and you're if you try and start this guy at your flex he'll probably go off twice and then bust for you the entire rest of the season but um, he's a guy to be aware of and he could see an expanded role if there's any injury problems here as well. Dawson Knox is the last guy I really want to talk about. I mean, OJ Howard, I'm not even going to get into his metrics. He's just not going to be a factor for fantasy. He's currently being drafted as the tight end 43 in fantasy, which is not even close to a guy that you should have on your roster. So Dawson Knox is how we're going to end this episode. He is being drafted as the 97th overall player in, in your fantasy drafts that's ninth round in a 12 man that is 10th maybe 11th round in a 10 man um so if you don't want to invest too highly in a tight end that you think will have some scoring opportunities i think he's a guy you can take your shot on it's not a huge investment however i will say this guy was super touchdown uh reliant dependent last year if he wasn't scoring touchdowns he really wasn't doing anything for your fantasy team being drafted this year as the tight end nine. Uh, last year, he finished the tight end nine in points per game. So, you know, seems accurate, seems fair. Like I said, just super touchdown dependent. If he doesn't score, you are fucked on the week. Um, but he is uh, obviously seeing an increase in stock this year. Um, being drafted tight end 9 versus tight end 34 last year. He finished last year overall tight end 11 and tight end 9 in points per game, like I said. As far as consistency goes for Knox, he was a top 6 tight end in 26.7% of his games, which was ninth most often. And he was a top 12 tight end in 53.3% of his games, which was the 5th most often. So he was actually relatively consistent. However, he finished between the tight end 13 and 34 in 20 percent of his games and he busted out of the top 25 in 27 percent of his games so it's really a 50 50 coin toss you're going to get a top 12 week or you're going to get jack shit for your fantasy team now that's pretty much a synopsis of the tight end position in general especially like i said i'm out on the early tight end uh Strategy, you know, I'm you won't catch me with my pants down with an injured George Kittle or a target deficient Darren Waller this year. I just can't do it. Um, but Knox is a guy that you can get in the 11th round at low cost in your fantasy drafts. Where if you want to play the touchdown game week to week, maybe have another guy that you can pop in there if it's a bad matchup or whatever. I don't know. It's like at the tight end position, you're really just hoping for a touchdown, right? And at the end of the day, Knox is going to have above-average touchdown opportunity in terms of the other tight ends available. And he's got a great camaraderie with Josh Allen. I mean, these guys are actually friends. You can see it on the field. They do all their touchdown celebrations together. They're boys. And I think that goes a long way. You know, I've used that strategy and applied it to fantasy before with other players. Um, You see guys hanging out in the offseason. Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup last year. Uh, Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen a few years ago. You see them, like, going to ball games to in the summer and hanging out and even like going and you know eating breakfast together in the morning that was big thing with Stafford and Cup last year they were the breakfast club and look they went and won a fucking Super Bowl with the help from the refs but anyways I think camaraderie and chemistry goes a long way Knox clearly has it with uh the big Josh over there Um, Touchdown-dependent guy, like I said. I mean, that's really the story of Dawson Knox, but he'll have opportunities. So he's a guy to consider, uh, you know, if you don't want to invest early in tight ends like I don't. Man, holy shit. Guys, we just did an hour on the Buffalo Bills. As you can see, I'm doing a lot more research this offseason. I'm putting in a lot more work here, guys. So I hope you enjoy this content. Um... I'll give you some more of my solid, you know, locked in futures and and bets and my hot takes and things like that as we get closer. This is only the third week of July, but we are um, really doing a deep dive to get you guys prepped up and ready for the season. And I hope that we accomplish that here. With this Bills preview, this is a team I have really high expectations for, as you guys can hear. I haven't said a whole lot of negative things in this episode. Do not can do not expect that to continue. I mean, once we get into some of these, uh, you know, bottom dwellers like the Jaguars and the Bears and the Texans and the Jets, I mean, we're going to have some fun fucking calling people out here, but... Buffalo, there's really not a whole lot to call out. There's really not a whole lot to hate on. You really can't deny that this team is super well built and they're, and they're prepped. I mean, they have as good a shot of anybody at winning the Super Bowl this year and that's reflected in their odds. They're the Super Bowl favorites. They have been almost the entire offseason since Brady retired and it doesn't look like it's going to change. They're getting respect in the market and it's it's fair. It's deserved. So thank you guys for listening. This will be up here, you know, hopefully uh, Thursday. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to peace out of here. I've wasted an hour of my day. Um, Check me out on the socials at SGRpod. Please do me a favor like this. Maybe give me a review. Give me an old subscribe. Click that button. You know, I got to plug my shit here, guys. It's what we're doing. We're trying to make a push. So thanks for listening. Go Bills, I guess. And ramble on.